1: See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
2: When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online.
3: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.
4: I mean, well, that song was the last song um, on the album I was working on at that time. That was the last song that got recorded. Uh, And it was just something that came together very beautifully. To make a long story short, as soon as I heard uh, my whole album, I was listening to it, I'll never forget. And I was like, we're missing this one thing. And got with T-Pain, and T-Pain, he's such a genius. You know, when he, when he came up with the, the full, all I do is wind hook and just our energy bouncing off each other. We always make great music. And as soon as that was done, I immediately went to Ross's house and Ross did that verse for me in five minutes. I immediately said it to Ludacris, I'm letting everybody know this is gonna be the biggest one. You know what I'm saying? Ludacris says his verse back immediately and he goes crazy. And I always wanted to work with Snoop Dogg. And I just wanted to make sure I found the right record. And I sent him All I Do Is Win, he knocked that out and sent it back. And we ended up making a classic, uh, a winner's anthem, an anthem for everybody, because that's what I represent is love for everybody. And it's just a national anthem for all winners. So to be able to be a city that wins big and to have an anthem called All I Do Is Win that plays worldwide is a, a blessing from God.
5: One of DJ Khaled's signature hits had been blaring inside NBA arenas since it was released in early 2010. And up until that devastating finals loss against the Mavericks, it felt like it was an anthem made strictly for LeBron James and the Miami Heat. Until a determined Dirk Nowitzki and then a post-finals press conference made everyone realize how not ready they were to be ultimate winners. Welcome back to Four Years of Heat. I'm your host, Israel Gutierrez, and this is episode four. Game six, LeBron. The Mavericks had just disposed of the heat on Miami's home court, winning the last three games of the finals, including one where James scored a career postseason low at the time of eight points. Not even an hour later, James appeared with Wade on the post-game podium together. After a few questions about the failures on the court, James was asked to respond to those who might've wanted to see him fail.
6: Does it bother you that so many people are happy to see you fail? Absolutely not. Because at the end of the day, um, all the people that was rooting on me to fail, um, you know, at the end of the day, they got to wake up tomorrow, have the same life that they had um, before they woke up today. You know, they got the same personal problems that they had today. You know, and I'm going to continue to live the way I want to live and continue to do the things that I want to do uh, with me and my family and be happy with that. So... Um, You know, they can get a few days or a few months or whatever the case may be on uh, being happy about um, not only myself, um, but the Miami Heat not accomplishing their goal. But, you know, they got to get back to the real world at some point.
5: It was a response that gave his critics the ultimate proof that LeBron had completed the villainous turn. Not only had he abandoned Cleveland, but after failing on the biggest stage, he would aim at their hearts again by reminding them that he lives a different lifestyle. It was so unlike James to lash out in that manner, it was apparent to some that the year of absorbing the manufactured hatred from across the country had finally caught up to him. Dan Lebitard of Meadowlark Media watched it all from up close.
7: It makes sense that someone that vulnerable in the postgame press conference would try to cover himself with defensive barbed wire and uh, camouflage so that you couldn't see just how hurt and scared he was. But the truth, the truth was around that press conference where he told us all we had to go back to our broke lives. The truth was before it, when he wouldn't post up J.J. Barea and was passing the ball scared. And after it, when he went into total hiding in his home because he was ashamed of what it is that
5: we all just saw. When LeBron James's career is finally over, assuming that day ever arrives, there'll be a few moments people will point to that helped fine-tune him into an ultimate winner. This will likely be considered the most pivotal. Despite telling the listening world that he was on top of it, this would actually be LeBron's rock bottom. When people hated on the decision or said he'd be moving on to a secondary role on a new team, James had a season of basketball with which to argue back. But now, the defense had rested, and LeBron's closing arguments were less than stirring. He could only internalize to examine what went wrong. Rachel Nichols spoke with LeBron at the finals against Dallas, off-camera at one of James's charity events that offseason, and also back on camera for an interview before the lockout-shortened 2011-12 season began that December. In that stretch, she noticed a person making some notable adjustments.
2: He was clearly in, in just such a terrible place. Uh, he would later say that he spent a couple of weeks just locked in his house, wouldn't go anywhere, wouldn't see anyone. It's certainly what we were hearing from the people around him. And then he and Dwayne actually went on vacation together, a vacation that they had planned with the idea of, hey, we're going to win the NBA finals and then take this trip to the Bahamas to celebrate. And they got to the house, and it has been recounted to me by multiple parties, including LeBron, that uh, when LeBron and Savannah got into the house, he was looking over the balcony on the second floor and jumped over the balcony into the pool below. And I want you to think about that. LeBron James, whose body is his life's work, <laughs> who if he had broken several bones would have been a huge story and a huge setback and certainly a, a risk And sort of, if he thought about the temperature around him at the time, was just so out of sight of himself that he jumped off the balcony into a pool. So it speaks to his state of mind.
5: That his future wife, Savannah Brinson, was with him in the Bahamas was no small note. Non-basketball family is part of what James was missing in his first season in Miami. It had become such a vital business trip, he didn't bring family with him. So when he needed relief from basketball stress, James didn't have the usual comforts around him to provide daily perspective. Brian Windhorst witnessed the LeBron he'd never seen before in a decade of following him.
3: What he needed was home, and not just physically home. He went back home for the lockout and spent the entire lockout in Akron, virtually. And more importantly, spent the lockout with his girlfriend, Savannah, and his two sons, who did not travel with him to Miami the first year. And it was basically him realizing he had gotten away from who he was.
5: LeBron James was, currently, misunderstood. He wanted to help a charity for children with his free agent announcement, not create a sense of abandonment. He wanted folks to marvel at what could be in the NBA, not hate him for reshaping it. And with an extended off-season to consider all of this because of a work stoppage that didn't allow the season to begin until Christmas Day, LeBron had a plan. Just lay the cards out on the table including a delayed apology to the people of Cleveland, whose sports world was rocked. Nichols conducted the interview with James that would effectively attempt to reset his image heading into his second season with Miami.
2: There had been a lockout and so everything got delayed, but then we sat down before it was time for him to report to camp to do the interview.
6: After the finals, I sat in my room for two weeks, did absolutely nothing, talked to absolutely nobody.
2: And I do think that was a really important turning point for him, because it is the first time he acknowledged that he would have done something differently with the decision. Uh, it's the first time he acknowledged what it must have felt like for people in Cleveland. So I think that was an important part of that interview. And another important part of that was, as you referenced, him saying, I don't want to be the villain anymore. It's not why I play the game of basketball.
6: I play the game fun and joyful, you know, and I let my game do all the talking, you know, and you know, I got away from that. Going through my first seven years in the NBA, I was always the, you know, the liked one and to be in, on the other side. Um, you know, they call it the dark side or the villain, whatever they call it. Um, it was it was definitely challenging for myself. It was a situation I'd never been in before and uh, took a long time to adjust to it. It basically turned me into somebody I wasn't. You know, you start to hear the villain, you know, now you have to be the villain. You um, you know, and I started to buy into it. You know, I started to play, uh, play the game of basketball at a... at a a level or at a mind state that I've never played at before,
2: uh,
5: meaning angry.
2: And I think saying it out loud was important for him, and he certainly played that way in the following year.
5: Thanks to ESPN for that sound from Rachel's interview. It wasn't just LeBron manifesting that into reality, however. He couldn't simply say he's happy and then suddenly rediscover his joy for the game. He knew he had to eliminate some weaknesses in his game, weaknesses the Mavericks exposed with a zone defense and some undersized defenders. People weren't going to suddenly let LeBron forget about his unwillingness to post up Mavericks defenders. So he'd only have one option. Mario Chalmers would be the Heat's starting point guard in the 2011-12 season. He saw a sneak preview of a different LeBron that offseason.
7: That summer, LeBron called me, and we worked out a couple of times when he was in Miami, and like that's all he did with post work. And so I knew in the back of his mind that was something that he knew that he lacked and he wanted to get better at. So when he did see that again, he's fully prepared for
5: that moment. Udonis Haslam entered the league the same season as LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. He didn't believe a player of James's caliber had that much room left to improve at this point in his career. He'd be wrong.
8: And to take nothing away from Dallas. Mm. But I mean, we pretty much dominated until they started running the zone. And as NBA basketball players, I think at that time, we were just shocked. <laughs> you know, it kind of made us stagnant. It kind of took away from the athleticism and the skill set that we had. Um, and we just didn't know how to attack it and still be ourselves within the game. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it created some confusion. And I think, you know, Braun took that personally upon himself, being the best player on the team and the leader of that team, that we didn't get it done. And I mean, it, the transformation that he made that summer was amazing. Man, he never wanted to play in the post. He never wanted to be inside. He always wanted to be seen as a guard. From all the things that he didn't want to do, it didn't matter when it came to win. You know, he got out of his comfort zone. He got in the lab and he came back a completely different basketball player, which was crazy because you already thought he had reached the pinnacle of who he could be and what he could be. You know, him going down to that block and, you know, putting
5: in that work down there on that post was crazy because, you know, we had never seen anything like that. The lockout extended offseason felt like an excruciating delay to the start of LeBron's redemption story. But in reality, it's possible he needed the extra time. He was about to attack his personal Mount Everest again. This time, he'd make sure he had everything he needed.
9: I looked around and I hadn't felt like this edge ever in the NBA, you know, it reminded me of my days at Duke. I'm like, oh, but we're winning this, (laughs) we're winning this. I knew right that we're winning this.
0: The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS.
1: .com/bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources.
3: Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.
5: LeBron James's checklist before the start of the 2011-12 season seemed complete. Partially repaired relationship with the people of Cleveland? Check. A rediscovered joy for the game? Check. Moving Savannah and their sons to Miami? Check. Newly minted post-up game? Check. New teammates? Check there as well. The most notable move that offseason was the signing of free agent Shane Battier. He'd be entering his 11th NBA season that year and had connections to Heat ownership from his college days at Duke. After admittedly rolling his eyes at LeBron's initial choice to create a super team in Miami, Battier recognized a place for him after the Heat came up short in year one. Early on in his Heat tenure, Battier was suffering from some nagging injuries that allowed him to sit back and absorb some of what his Heat team was experiencing. As early as opening day in Dallas on Christmas, Battier noticed this felt different.
9: I'll never forget the ring night for the Mavs we, we played them Christmas day um 2011 and you know obviously none, none of the guys wanted to watch Dirk and those guys get their rings and like the intensity of that moment back in the locker room waiting to go out and they, we, they just wanted to kill these guys and and just like, you could feel the edge. And I'm like, I looked around and I hadn't felt like this edge ever in the NBA. You know, it reminded me of my days at Duke. I'm like, oh, but we're winning this. <laughs> we're winning this. And you're right, that I'm all, we're winning this. And we go out, we destroy Dallas, I think by 30. And I'm just like, oh man, you, you know, we're gonna, it's
5: gonna be a different year. The final score would end up being an 11 point differential, but the decisive win would set the tone for a truncated 66 game season. Starts of eight and one and 28 and seven would have Miami confident throughout. The games were happening so fast, there was almost not enough time to remember the Heat were disliked figures. All you could do was marvel at this somehow improved version of LeBron James, his newfound chemistry with Dwayne Wade, and the expanding all-around game of Chris Bosh.
10: Davidsky, operating, forces it blocked by Wade. The defense continues to impress James Tabash and the finish. Boy, that's a nice-looking fast break. To block it, bust out on the dribble, find James who touches it to Bosch. Tremendous fast break basketball.
5: And while you were watching, the hatred was almost unknowingly melting away. Here's Battier. It was a blur.
9: Um, it was a really weird season. It was crazy. I mean, we sold out every arena we played at. And so every you know everyone wanted to see us. Everyone wanted to come and boo us. But I noticed early on that the heat and maybe LeBron became much more of a sympathetic uh, character, a sympathetic hero, if you will. Just knowing the vitriol he went through the year before and the scene in Cleveland and it, it, it was pretty like negative. There were, it was much more positive than I thought when I went on the road. And I think that was born out of the way they lost sort of the, the, the humility they had, they had to sort of stomach uh, from losing to Dallas. And so the tenor of how people viewed us, especially on the road, it did change. It did change, but it was always a scene, always a scene. There were always people at our hotel rooms. You know, we get into San Antonio two, three in the morning, there were people there. And there was always people who just wanted to see this team, wanted to see LeBron, wanted to see D-Wade, wanted to see CB, just wanted to see us. And it was it was like, like, crazy. I'm not gonna compare us to the Beatles, but it was, it was like a hysteria that I had never been a part of uh, in my, in my 10 years in, in the league.
5: There might still have been a hysteria around the team, but there was certainly a growing sense of calm on it. Even if it looked chaotic at times, now that was a planned chaos. It was a heat team on a string at all times creating havoc on the defensive end. And an offense you couldn't take your eyes off for a moment. Dare you miss an all-time iconic play?
10: Dwayne Wayne with another steal. Three on one, James! <laughs> Are you LeBron kidding? drops the you.
6: Holy smokes! <laughs> you no. kidding me! The way they get out in transition from defense to offense it's probably the best, no question, of any team
5: currently in the NBA. The sense of order that allowed for said chaos came in the form of a gesture from Wade. That offseason, while LeBron was fighting through that dark place and making risky leaps from second floor balconies, Wade had a conversation with James that unlocked one last feeling of home. Wade told LeBron to treat the heat as if it was his team. Sure. It might say Wade County on a bunch of the t-shirts in Miami-Dade County, but on the hardwood, James should treat it as his own territory. Wade talked to me about it at length for a story I wrote for ESPN.com in 2012. And while I don't have the original audio of an interview that was likely recorded on an iPhone 4, I can read to you Dwayne's comments. He said, quote, LeBron is probably the most talented player we've seen in a while, but how good can we be? Are we going to be good if me and him are both scoring 27 a night? Yeah, we're going to be good, but it would be too much. Okay, it's your turn. Now it's your turn. I wanted to give him the opportunity where he didn't have to think about that. It's kind of like I told him, listen, I'll find a way. Don't worry about me. I'll be there. But you go out and be the player that we want you to be. It was considered an extremely selfless move from a player who was going shot for shot with LeBron just two years earlier. The clarity of thought for James allowed him to win his third MVP trophy that season, announcing himself back to his top-of-the-league self. But it wasn't just the Wade gesture that suddenly put him back into that space. Eric Spolstra also drew from his first season coaching James, Wade, and Bosch. He and assistant coach David Fisdale decided to flex their basketball knowledge and change up the predictable offense that doomed Miami, most notably, against the Mavericks. Here's Baddier.
9: And I give Eric Spolstra a ton of credit, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that that run we had. He really changed the way that we played. And you know, we ran a lot of sets or they ran a lot of sets when they lost to Dallas, and it' was just a lot of like ISO ball, my turn, your turn. Um, and there wasn't a lot of, I guess you could say creativity to the offense. And that you know that's what LeBron, D-Wade, and CB needed just to have a little more creativity, a little more flow, a little more uh, to to really take their 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 talents to the max, to their highest potential. And that next year it was a much different offense, uh, a much more I wouldn't say democratic offense, but it allowed these guys to utilize their skills better. And that, and that was just a, a process change by Fisdale and Eric Spolstra. and so they they really left their mark on by by our play style. His biggest regret from the year before he said was he was too afraid to make a drastic move and do what's right. And so I think he kept trying to, you know, just bludgeon the Mavs to death with, you know, the plays that they had run the last 10 years, the Miami Heat, and there just wasn't a lot of innovation.
5: The Heat played with more pace, which was a bit easier with the year of chemistry under their belts, and a system with LeBron now clearly at the head. The result was a 46 and 20 final record and a number two seed in the Eastern Conference. The rushed tempo of the regular season and the Heat's success throughout it would never really allow for the pressure of the previous season to show itself. The playoffs would more than make up for that. It actually started with a pressure-free, gentlemanly five-game defeat of good buddy Carmelo Anthony and the New York Knicks. Here's LeBron James with David Aldridge talking about the first-round win and the Heat's next opponent.
3: You were uh, obviously very close with Carmelo Anthony, your Olympic teammates together. You embraced him after this, after this game was over. What did you say to him?
6: Uh, man, it's, uh, it's a brotherhood that goes beyond basketball. It's my first opportunity to go up against him in a playoff series, and it was it was fun, man, uh He's one of the most competitive players I ever played against in a series, so it was fun, man. Uh, wish him the
3: best I the time I see him this summer and you know, as we go for gold. You uh, have some other obligations right now. You got the Indiana Pacers in the second round preview of that series quickly you took three or four from in the regular season Uh, they're very well coached team Um, you know they play inside
6: and out Uh, you know with David West and Roy Hibbert those guys uh, do a great job controlling the pain and then they have some perimeter play in George Hill uh, Danny Granger Uh, I mean they they do an unbelievable job Paul George and those guys off the bench as well give them a big uh, big boost so uh, you know we will savor this win tonight but then we get to work tomorrow and get ready for
3: Indiana Ron, congratulations. We'll see you in the second round.
1: Uh, thank
5: you, right. Miami had been preparing mentally for their other East rival, the top-seeded Chicago Bulls. But those thoughts were dashed when Derek Rose tore his ACL in his left knee in the first game of Chicago's playoffs that season against Philadelphia. When the Pacers settled in as Miami's second-round matchup, they didn't realize the group led by David West, Paul George, Danny Granger, and Roy Hibbert would create the kinds of problems Miami didn't have great answers for. And when Bosch injured his hip flexor in game one after being fouled by Hibbert on a made basket, the Pacers suddenly seemed more formidable than anyone could have imagined.
10: Oh, Bosch wow. to the basket, took a hard hit as he finished that three-point play. Now that was an explosion and Bosch going strong to that left hand. hard by Hibbert, who picks up his third.
5: A Heat team that wasn't rich with size had just lost its starting power forward and was about to face the Pacers for potentially six more games without him. That meant a six-foot-eight, 220-pound battier would have to get big.
9: After, you know, CB gets hurt, Spoke comes to me after the game and says, hey, we need to play small. You know, will you will you be the power forward? I said, hell yeah, let's go. You know, it takes me back to my Duke days. So I, I knew I had to bang with David West and he's, he, he was a big bully and, and
5: bang with Roy Hibbert. I'm like, hey, let's let's go, man, let's do it. Fortunately, the Heat still had a healthy big man it could throw into the mix, the reliable Udonis Haslam.
8: If it's it's one team that I could give two about, it's Indiana.
5: Oh, okay. Let's get out in front of that right away. Haslam was not a fan of these Pacers, but it was this series that actually reinforced that distaste. It wasn't just Bosch that was injured in this series. Wade was playing through soreness in a left knee that would need to be drained before the start of Game 3 in Indianapolis. The Pacers had already won Game 2 by holding Miami to just 75 points at home. And in Game 3, after that procedure that was supposed to provide relief for Wade, he had the worst playoff game of his career, with 5 points on 2 of 13 shooting, as the Heat were held to 75 points again and suddenly trailed the series 2 games to 1. Game 4 in Indianapolis? would become the first test of the resolve built in those previous finals. Except this time, it was Wade who seemed to be carrying the weight of the franchise. He had just come off his worst career playoff game on a sore knee, and the idea that he could be LeBron's partner in winning multiple championships suddenly seemed bleak. Wade even visited with his Marquette coach, Tom Crean, who was coaching Indiana at the time. Here's Battier.
9: I mean, we, we felt horrible for him because he was obviously in pain. His knee was swollen, so it wasn't like, you know, D is a warrior. So, <laughs> you know, when he's, when he's banged up and says he's banged up, you know he's really banged up. Uh, but, look, that's what makes Hall of Famers. That's why D Wade, you know, behind Kobe and, and Mike's probably the, th- the third greatest shooting guard of all time with respects to Jerry West. Um, they sh- you show up. You show up when, you're, 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 when the pressure is on the line the most. And that's why I argue that you need to go to the NBA finals, win a championship to be considered one of the greatest because there are consequences. And if you never put yourself in in that position where your legacy is in the line and people are going to talk about you and downgrade your entire career, um, you can't be in that conversation. And and that's why ultimate respect for D. Wade and, and LeBron and, and, and Chris and, and, and Ray Allen, all these guys, they show up when legacy is on the line. And that was that that game for against Indiana.
5: Wade was vintage in scoring 30 points with nine rebounds and six assists in this legacy marker of a game.
10: Wade coming to the basket, so he's got a three. and a couple of field goals here for Dwayne in the last two that was beautiful. LeBron James yelled up. Battier cleared out, and then they ran a backdoor move with Wade running on the baseline. Beautiful pass and look by LeBron.
5: LeBron scored 40 of his own with 18 rebounds and 9 assists. In what was one of his best statistical playoff games of his Heat tenure, showing he'd had more than Wade's back.
10: James attacking Barbosa. Bang, and a bucket for LeBron. 30. Seven in a row. Now that's that's just sheer upper body strength and then acrobatic ability to take the contact.
5: Fittingly, Wade got some additional help from his most familiar of teammates in this crucial clash. Haslam was coming off the bench at this point, but he knew he'd find enough opportunities to support Wade, his teammate of nine seasons. Miami had tried second-year center Dexter Pittman in the middle in game three, and in game four, it was Ronnie Turioff getting the starting knot in the middle. But it was Haslam that gave Miami 25 critical minutes. With the Heat leading by just a point in the fourth quarter, Haslam followed a Wade bucket by drawing an offensive foul on Indiana's Lou Admonson. The collision left Haslam bleeding from above his right eye, but he wouldn't allow Heat trainer Jay Sable to take him to the locker room for the necessary stitches.
8: I remember, I remember getting hit in the eye. Mm-hmm. When I got hit in my damn eye. You know what I'm saying? I was pissed. And I think Jay tried to take me to the locker room, but I knew if I went to the locker room to get stitches that I'd probably miss too much of the game to be able to help win. Right? You know what I mean? By the time I go get stitched up and try to come back, who knows? So I was like, that, tape it up. We don't have time. I got to go. And it was also around the time where they thought that the game plan was to leave me open. I don't know what the they were smoking. (laughs) But their game plan was to make me beat them. I understand LeBron and Dwayne is great, but don't disrespect the work that I put in. Don't disrespect my craft. Don't disrespect who I am.
5: And I felt like that was disrespectful.
10: Keeps the dribble alive. It's Haslam for a big one. There you go. You've done it, Haslam. What a quarter he's had.
5: Wade, James, and Haslam scored 84 of the Heat's 101 points in the series evening win. And yet, he'd save his most memorable moment for the next game. It was the second quarter of Game 5 in Miami with the series tied at two games apiece, and the Heat leading by only seven points at the moment. And Bosch was still not healthy enough to play. Just about 90 seconds earlier in the game, Tyler Hansbrough committed a flagrant foul on Wade, drawing some blood and the ire of Haslam.
10: The previous couple of games as he goes to the rim and gets fouled. And it's so difficult. I mean, Wade looks like he got hit pretty hard. But Hansbro came over his back and made contact with the neck and LeBron James is appealing to the officials looking for a flavoring call. I think the yeah, the officials are discussing that right now. The,
8: crowd just- the handshake is what pissed me off because I get it. It's a physical game. At last game, Louis, the Lou Munson guy hit me. He was the guy who hit me. See, I don't forget that stuff. Munson hit me and gave me stitches. Hansborough hit Dwayne and gave him stitches. Now, Right after Hansborough hits Dwayne, I watched Hansborough, who hit Dwayne, and Munson, who hit me, go slap each other five. Like, good job. At that point, the decision was made. <laughs> the decision is made. You know what I'm saying? And Spoh Spo said, and I say Spoh, stay out of this. Because as soon as the timeout, I walked to the timeout, and I said, I'm somebody up. Spoh looked at me, and, I, and he said, whatever he said, I don't know. I couldn't hear him. I was I had already went to that dark place. <laughs> And I said, suppose stay out of this. Stay out of it. That's it. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? That's it. And I made my – and it was crazy because the very next play, I couldn't have drew it up any better. (laughs) I couldn't have drew it up any better. I'm the low man on the rotation of a pick and roll. Hansborough's coming right at me. I literally thought in my head, like, if I don't take this opportunity, I might not get a better one. And I just deal – I handle my business. It's more so, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, just understand – we're here to play basketball, but we ain't finna, you know, just turn the other cheek to certain things that are going on. You know what I'm saying? My stitches, Dwayne's stitches, the handshake. It's starting to seem a little intentional here. You know what I'm saying? So we just going to let you know we with all that, too. I had no intentions on blocking the ball.
10: Han- oh, Hansel took a shot. And that may oh, be was, a favorite too. It was Haslam taking out some of the frustration that he faced off the cut that was suffered the other night and things are getting very, very, very physical. Well, they've been physical throughout this series, but now it's getting ugly, Mark. And for Udonis Haslam, this is clearly payback. He just clubs with two hands, hands both The problem here, Marv, the crowd loves it. But if this is a flagrant two, remember, Haslam is their best post-shooter. With Bosch out, he's the one that provided that spacing the other day in game four. If he's kicked out, no Bosch, no Haslam. That is a major blow for Miami. Well, they're saying it is a flagrant one. I think that's a flagrant two.
8: Yeah, like I said, is I made my mind up. Once I walked to the huddle, it's going to happen. I didn't know it was going to happen the very next play. But the Lord work in mysterious ways. (laughs) I I mean, everybody was just like laughing and talking about it, but most of it was like the reaction of their players. Nobody approached me after I did that. For all the tough guys in this locker room, for everybody who's supposed to be big and bad, nobody approached me from your team when I did that. And that let me know we had your heart. Nobody from your team came and did nothing to me, not even come my way, not even look my
5: way. We got your heart. Haslam would be suspended for Game 6, as would Pittman, who got suspended for three games following a flagrant two he took on Lance Stevenson seconds before the Heat's blowout in Game 5 was complete. With an even thinner front court, the Heat went to Indiana and bludgeoned the Pacers in Game 6 to clinch the series. Wade turned Banker's Life Fieldhouse into his personal playground again, scoring 41 with 10 rebounds in the clincher
3: the
10: pacers need to stop something they have not been very successful on with this man wade to the basket count it and a foul what a play from wade and a chance for a three-point
11: play we got a lot of more basketball left um you know i think when you talk about three games um you know two guys um you know being dominant at the same time i think this is probably the 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 most that we have been when it talk about playoffs i don't know regular season we've had some good games but um i think the way that we've played um, off each other, um, we've played very well. Um, and, you know, obviously we envisioned this at times, um, you know, so it just happened that we needed it more in a series because we was missing a very big piece uh, with Chris Bosh being out.
5: It couldn't possibly get more intense than that, right? Wade's legacy on the line and by extension LeBron's. Brothers bloodied and the team's depth tested to its capacity because of an injury and suspensions. Well, it could. All it required was two words. Boston, Celtics.
0: The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DKHOOPS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours.
1: Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope ny four six seven three six nine. In Connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org please play responsibly on behalf of boot hill casino and resort in kansas 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see dkng.com bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources
3: asking the right questions can greatly impact your future especially when it comes to your finances So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.
1: We went from normal life, healthy child
6: to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow.
1: It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.
5: These weren't the 2008 Celtics. That team won a championship with instant chemistry around a trio of Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce. This team, four seasons later, had a lot more Rajon Rondo in its formula. And while on-court chemistry was still strong, off-court issues were arising. Allen had been a part of trade rumors, and the future Hall of Famer was effectively being told Rondo would be Boston's future. And it's quite possible a move to the bench would be in Allen's near future. KG wasn't his 2008 self. The depth wasn't great and even Pierce's production would suffer some from Rondo's emergence. This four seed wasn't the team that was supposed to take out the Heat. Yet there were the Celtics, having eked out a series tying game four in Boston in overtime by outscoring the Heat four to two in the extra five minutes.
10: Wade picked up by Daniels, final seconds. Wade looks up, heads fake, puts up a three for the win. No good, Celtics win it. And the conference final is tied at two games apiece.
5: Surely, game five in Miami would settle the Heat. It did quite the opposite. Bosch would return and play off the bench. But the Heat offense was miserable, shooting under 40% from the field. And the Celtics stunned the Heat despite a combined 57 from James and Wade.
10: Down to five seconds, Wade puts up a three, won't go, rebound Garnett, throws it ahead to Dooling, and the Boston Celtics win game five and take a 3-2 lead. A huge win on the road as Miami now one loss away from elimination. A stunning result here at the American Airlines Arena.
5: The narrative shifted mightily for the Miami Heat in a span of just two games. The Heat went from a team looking like it would coast to another finals appearance to a team that had everything on the line in just one game. And that game would be played in Boston. Here's Levitard.
7: I don't believe that there has ever been a game in South Florida that had more pressure on it. Not a Game 7 in the World Series. Because a Game 7 in the World Series wasn't for the blueprint of the franchise, wasn't for the architecture of this thing is going to break down in laughter if you lose Game 6. The America is going to celebrate your epic echoing failure for years because things will change if you lose this game. I don't believe that there has ever in my lifetime covering sports in this market a more pressurized game than that one that LeBron James played in Game 6 in Boston. I doubted that that team would be able to do that. I doubted that LeBron would be able to do that. I did not trust, based on the previous, what would it be, 160-some-odd games that that team had played, that that performance was available to anybody. I did not think that that's how that would go. When they went into Boston, I, uh, I expected them to lose that basketball game.
5: If the Heat don't win Game 6 and the Game 7 that would follow, major adjustments would be on the way. It's possible Chris Bosh would get traded. It's likely Udonis Haslam, the Miami native, doesn't finish his 20-year career with the Heat. LeBron James' attempt to win a championship with his friends and change the league as a result would have been deemed a historic failure. Not to mention another year of being the butt of jokes. Tim Reynolds of the Associated Press tells a story of when Shane Battier watched LeBron deal with those thoughts in real time before Game Six.
7: There was Shane Battier told me a really cool story. The night before Game Six, they are in Boston. They're going to dinner. Car pulls up as they're walking on the street. I don't know how big the group of Heat guys was. It was a few of them. Shane and LeBron were included. Car pulls up, rolls down the window. LeBron, you suck. And then the guy starts laughing at himself and drives away. Like, just that's it, LeBron, you suck. And they're all sitting there like, well, that just happened. And about 20 minutes later, Shane told me that he realized that LeBron had not said anything yet. And he's like, and that's when I knew we were good. And the next night,
5: 45, 15, and five. The butterfly effect from losing game six would have been so massive it's hard to imagine how different the Heat franchise and the entire league would have looked. But only one look truly mattered on the evening of June 7th, 2012 in Boston's TD Garden. It was the one on LeBron's face. Battier certainly noticed.
9: We know what that game meant. Everyone who came to that, you know, the Garden, where they called? they knew if we win today, it's the end of the Big Three era. So everyone came to Barry, the Heat, everybody, all, all, those, all those Celtic fans, right? And so we, we, like, we didn't have to like do this big speech. We knew what was on the line, right? But the look, the look on you know LeBron's face, I got this, I got this.
5: The last time LeBron had faced this level of championship pressure, he looked to be shrinking on his way to an eight point finals game and a loss to the Dallas Mavericks. So there was some hope for the Celtics, but the Heat's pregame commute from their hotel to the arena offered another source of motivation for LeBron. It was much longer than usual, with the team bus fighting heavy Boston traffic. Here's Udonis Haslam. I already knew he was going to go crazy because they
8: tried to pull some 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 trickery. You know, we only got to the game like 60 minutes before the game. The bus, the traffic, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a little skeptical. Skeptic. I'm a little skeptical about how that all played out. But we literally walked in about with 60 on the clock, and Brown was pissed, and he and he looked at me and Dwayne, and I don't know, Dwayne said something to him. He just gave us his face, and he said, don't worry about it. And we was like, oh, <laughs> oh they done made him mad. They done made him mad. We we, we right. Yeah, we follow. You lead, we follow. You know, he, he made it very clear. He made it very clear. Don't worry about it. I got it. And I think he was a little pissed off just like we were, man. Come on, man. At that
5: stage, at that point, there's no way you should show up to the arena with 60 on the clock. Maybe the shortened pregame experience gave James less time to weigh the massive consequences, but this was a version of LeBron James no one had seen before. Sure, he'd scored 25 straight in a playoff game against the Pistons, but this game was a calculated mission from beginning to end. In a place where the distaste for him runs thicker than anywhere else in the league. Battier could feel it from the bench. You know, when
9: LeBron and D and CB play with a certain level of force, you're just like, holy crap. This is, this is why they're generational players. The, the, the force and just, like, you just... You're like let's go and it was so inspiring and like it was almost like throwing a no hitter like you didn't want to talk to lebron you don't want to like look at him Just, like keep doing it we don't want to jinx it so like we knew we're sitting there on the bench going holy shit, like this is this is crazy um uh, but he was in such a zone that day and, and boston knew it and boston knew they had no shot
5: <laughs> even jackie McMullen, who knows celtics history and tradition as well as anyone else understood what a series win against the Heat would have meant for the franchise. And her eyes were fixed on one person only.
3: I'm not watching anybody else. I don't really care what anybody else does. This is this is LeBron's boom or bust moment.
5: And he starts off with six for seven, 14 points in the first quarter, and just looks absolutely like he's ready to wreck a team. And, you know, looking back, people say oh, you're only saying that based on the result, but LeBron didn't really look like that very often.
10: James for three, puts it in, LeBron James from downtown. He's got 12 already, and the Heat have scored 10 in a row. James spins, trying to draw some contact. Boy, what a great start for LeBron James. Six of seven
5: from the field. And he's in the paint. He maintained that look in the second quarter, going six of seven again from the field, to score 30 by halftime and carry his team to a 13-point lead at the break.
10: James tries again and puts it in again. 9 for 10 from the field. Right now, unstoppable, and some of these are tough, tough shots. James again. <laughs> he right now is in a special zone here in the first half. Bosch down low against Ray Allen. Turns, oh little jump, hook won't go. James comes flying in and throws it down. He's got 27 first half points. Extra special passes as James hits another of 30 point first half.
5: It wasn't the best statistical game of LeBron James's career. It would only be the most important. And a stat line that LeBron and most Heat fans will never forget. 45 points, 15 rebounds, five assists, and a 98-79 win that saved the Miami Heat's championship experiment and shifted the narrative around LeBron even faster than that game four in Dallas did.
10: And this has been one impressive dominant performance. James flips it up, left-handed, banks it in, he's got 45. As the Heat force a game seven, the Eastern Conference Finals all tied at three games apiece.
5: Here's LeBron on the court with Doris Burke after his career-defining masterpiece.
10: LeBron, no player has to play under the kind of scrutiny and pressure that you do. How do you stand and deliver the kind of performance you did tonight?
6: Uh, I just wanted to try to lead my team the best way I could. Uh, Whatever I needed to do out on the floor, I tried to be there for them tonight. And, uh, you know, I'm glad we was able to to get this win and now, uh, you know, force the game seven.
10: What is it like knowing that regardless of what happens with the team, the failure rests on your shoulders?
6: Well, uh, you know, I just go out and just do what I've been taught. And that's to play at a high level and have fun with it. And at the end of the day, um, I won't regret anything. If I know I played hard and I gave it on my all, I won't regret anything, no matter the outcome. And, uh, you know, that's where I've been this whole season.
5: James didn't win the gold trophy yet. But as Lebetard explains, he secured one important item. Everyone's respect. You rarely
7: get the story arcs that go from you're mentally frail, you're a choker, you're weak, you're someone who can't and doesn't know how to win a championship to oh holy Against my will, you have begrudgingly made me respect you. I have to respect that because what I just saw is something that knocked over any doubts I had about you, your character, your strength, what you just did. And as I recall that stat line, he wasn't getting a lot of help in that game. That was just him, again and again and again, uh, with uh, with a Dwayne Wade who was a you know a little bit banged up. And I just remember that he had what Tom Brady. Has, which is, no matter how much you might hate this guy, or not want him to win, or think that he's got athletic gifts that uh, that are put by a crib in a crib by a holy man, that you have to respect what you just saw.
5: Coach Spo, Chris Bosh, and D. Wade all sang LeBron's praises after the game.
0: It was he was absolutely fearless tonight, and it was contagious.
11: Best I've seen, one of the best this league has ever seen, and, you know, he, um, he's helped us a lot so we can live to play another day. He played amazing. Um, you know, he was locked in from the beginning of the game um, like I've never seen him before. Uh, I mean, the shots he was making was, you know, unbelievable. You know, some good defense, and he just, he just made it. So, you know, he really put on the MVP performance tonight, um, and not just, on, not just scoring the ball but um, rebounding the ball defensively. Um, he did it all tonight, you know, so it was great. It was great to see him uh, come out and, and lead this team the way he did today. And We just gave him the ball and got out the way. After a game seven in Miami
5: that still provided more tension than expected, the Heat actually trailed in the fourth quarter of that game, LeBron and the Heat felt as free as ever. They'd need to feel good about themselves too because the team they were about to meet in the finals the Oklahoma City Thunder team that was playing in Seattle when LeBron first entered the league, they looked like they could outheat the Heat, bringing in a trio of high-end stars they drafted themselves. That team, led by a young Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook and James Harden, would put an immediate scare into the championship-ready Heat.
10: The Oklahoma City Thunder take game 1.
5: Still to come on 4 years of Heat. Like I always want to leave my mark in whatever championship, whatever series I'm in, just so you can say, we can rely on Mike.
6: On top of being the baddest man in the world, now he's a champion on top of it. You know, today being the NBA champion, you know, you know, that loss, you know, and that heartbreak was the best thing that ever happened to me.
8: I'll admit, that's the way, I mean, I'm sitting in Orlando, I'm saying, well, LeBron couldn't beat us
5: in Cleveland, and Chris couldn't beat us in Toronto. So yeah, run on down to Miami and and get some, you know, get some help from Dwayne and and uh, now you guys can be good.
10: If I bring that mentality into Miami, like I'm supposed to play more, I'm supposed to start, I'm supposed to do all these things, then I'm setting myself up for failure. They was just assume
8: we were just gonna walk in here and beat these people and people don't understand you add gasoline to the fire when we go in here and play these teams. We got Hall of Famers up and down the line, we're defending champs,
9: and we just got into a, just a, a zone, and I'm not going to say it was easy, it, it wasn't, but it just felt like, okay, yeah, we're, we're going to win every single night we step on the floor.
5: Four Years of Heat is a production of iHeartRadio and the NBA.
3: With the Lucky Landslots, slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's gotta be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.
6: We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance.